You know, I think that this teaching that I've been giving this week, it's really simple. I know some people think this is too simple, but it's really simple. But this is profound. It's the kind of thing that you could go back over five years from now, 10 years from now, listen to it, and it'll still be just as important in your life. This is timely. It's something that every single person needs. I think it's a keeper. It's something that would be really important for you to have and just be able to go back over it. It would be a blessing. Let's turn back over to Mark chapter four. And like I said earlier, I'm going to speed up a lot because I've got so much that I want to share that um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever finish this parable if I continued at the same pace that I've been going. But I've been talking about how that this parable is the key to understanding all of the parables of the Lord is what he said in the 13th verse. And then in the 14th verse, he says that the, this parable is about the word of God and how it works in your life. And man, I made a big point of that yesterday morning that there's a specific reason why he chose a seed, a natural law, because you can't cheat that. You can't cram for a harvest. There are just laws and it takes time. And the word of God is like this. This is how the entire kingdom of God works. And if you are going to get a harvest, if you're going to reach spiritual maturity, this is the key to it is just the taking the seed of the word of God and planting it in your life. And we showed that the seed is an incorruptible seed. First Peter chapter one, verse 23. There's nothing wrong with the seed of the word of God. It's perfect. It's only the ground that was the variable. And the first type of ground, this is symbolic or typical of people's hearts. And the first type of heart was a heart that was so hardened that the word never penetrated because it never got through the understanding. I put that together with Matthew 13, 19 where it says that if they don't understand, Satan comes immediately and steals away the word. And so yesterday morning, we just focused on that and talked about how important it is to understand the word. You got to make it simple. You got to make it plain. Then the second type of person is a person who had got past their understanding. They received the word with gladness. They were really excited, but they didn't have root in themselves. And man, I could go back and preach all of that again because I didn't say near all of the things I had to say about that. But we spent over an hour talking about that second type of person. And very few people go to the effort, and it is effort, to take the word and let it be rooted in your heart and stand against criticism and other things. We get offended and we let go of our confidence and enthusiasm in the word because of all kinds of different things. We talked about all of that uh, last night. And anyway, that is super powerful. The next thing in verse uh, 18, it says, these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. The symbolism here is that a seed, if you put it in a piece of ground, the ground only has so many nutrients. It only has so much moisture that it can give. And if there are other things competing for that, well, then some of the moisture, some of the nutrients that could have gone to the seed that you want to grow and produce is going to go to the weeds and to the thorns and all of these other things. And what it does, it just chokes that seed and keeps it from working because it just doesn't have it so much nutrient. I tell you, this is a major problem in the body of Christ. 
And I find myself still fighting this in my life because you've only got so many hours in the day. You've only got so much attention and people today, our lifestyle, our American lifestyle is not conducive to bearing fruit in the word of God. I could spend days trying to go through this again. I'm trying to speed up. So I'm just going to say some things quickly, but I ask you to pray about it. Go get that book or a teaching on effortless change and listen to this. Also another teaching that goes right along with this. It's the exact same point. And I have five different uh, CDs on this is a teaching that I've entitled hardness of heart, things that harden your heart. Just being preoccupied with the cares of this life will harden your heart. Our lifestyle where you have your kids going in 10 different directions and you got soccer practice and band practice and this and this and this and the husband and the wife are both working and you've got things going. And then when you're at home, you aren't at home, but you got the TV on and you're taking on the cares of the entire world and you're watching this and this and this and this and this. And did you know we have very little downtime where you just are focused on the word of God and listening to God. One of the keys in the word of God is Psalms 46:10 that says, be still and know that I am God. And very few people are still today. If you ask the average person, how are you? They'll say something like, oh man, I'm busier than a one-armed paper hanger. I just don't have any time for anything. It just, and this is basically what it's all about. We're just busy, 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 busy. In the Baptist church, we had a little poem. We used to say that Mary had a little lamb. It would have been a sheep, but it joined the Baptist church and died from lack of sleep. (laughs) And I tell you, this is the lifestyle of most people. It's just busy, busy, busy. And I'm telling you that will choke the word of God. It doesn't have to be sin. You don't have to be watching X-rated stuff. You don't have to be out here doing something that is ungodly. Just get so occupied that you're busy, 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 and it'll choke the word of God. And with me, I am not out here living in sin and doing ungodly things, but you know what? I can, we've got so many things going now. I've got Wendell helping me. We're bringing somebody on to help Wendell help me, (laughs) man. I mean, we got a lot going But you know what? Still, we've got so many things that I could be dealing with. I could be thinking about what's happening. I was reading some things about our ministry in Singapore this morning, and I was doing all of these things. And I could be so occupied with everything I'm doing that I don't have any time for the Lord. You can get so busy with the ministry that you don't have any time for the Lord. You can be, and if I can do that with the ministry, then you can do that with life, with your children with your favorite shows or whatever. I think that this is so subtle. Most people don't recognize this, but we are letting the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things choke the word of God. We just don't give the word of God very much time. And in a sense, I'm preaching to the choir because you're the people that came out on Saturday morning. So you give more time to the Lord than most people do. But I bet you still a lot of us this, it's, it's just really unusual for you to be able to spend an hour or two hours a day meditating on the things of the Lord. And I guarantee you, if you're one of these that you spend 10 minutes or 15 minutes and you say, I don't have a much quantity of time, but I have great quality of time that won't cut it with the seed. The seed has to have quantity of time. 
You have to spend time with your mind stayed on the word of God. The Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon the Lord because he trusts in him. It says in Joshua chapter one, verse eight, that this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then when you observe it day and night, meditate in it day and night, then shall you make your way prosperous. Then you shall have good success. In Psalms chapter one, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And I could just go on and on and on and on and on and quote scriptures. The way to really succeed and let the seed work is you are going to have to be focused on it constantly. And somebody says, well, I'm not a preacher. I got to go to work. I can't focus on the word constantly. Yes, you can. Have you ever had something that you worried about? Have you ever had a bill due or have you ever had problems at home and you go to work and even though you're doing your work, you're never not thinking about what's happened at home, about your financial situation. You worry about it all the time. Did you know that the same part of you that worries is the same part of you that meditates And you can meditate on the word even while you're at the job. You can meditate on the word as you're driving down the road. You can keep your mind stayed on God. You can keep your heart and mind stayed on God 24 hours a day. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verses three through five says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means they aren't just human. Some of you are thinking, ah, this is humanly impossible. That's because you're only using carnal human weapons, but the weapons of our warfare are carnal. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down of imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. You can do this. The Bible says you can do it. You can do it. You can keep your mind stayed on God, but you can't do it the way most of us are approaching life. You can't do it sitting down and watching people rape and murder and kill and lie and and ungodliness and terrible stuff that most people watch. You can't read all of these dime novels and everything. I know I'm meddling now. Most people think you quit preaching and you're gone to meddling. But I'm telling you that, you know what? God loves you. You, you can go out and do all of this stuff and God loves you and you can die to go to heaven and you'll get there quicker because you aren't going to have the word planted in your heart and you aren't going to see it produce. Amen. You don't have to do these things to just sneak into heaven. But if you want the word of God to work in your life, I'm telling you other things choke the word of God. If you want your seed to grow and be as big as it can possibly be, you don't let just a few little weeds grow in there. You don't just pull out, you know, half the weeds because that's enough. If you really want that seed to reach its maximum, you pull up every weed and you fertilize it and you put water in there. If you want a hundred percent return on the word of God, meditate in it day and night, devote yourself to it exclusively. Put the word of God to where it is paramount in your life and you will get the biggest fruit. You will reap the hundredfold instead of just the thirtyfold return. 
This is how it works. And yet most of us, we love this culture. We love all of the ungodliness and all of the things that occupy us. And the average person thinks that this is the American dream is to be so busy that you don't even have time to go to sleep. We've embraced this, but I'm telling you that you need some downtime. You need to be still and know that he is God. You need time to just sit and relax and meditate. Our parents and grandparents used to sit on the porch at night and just think. And because of it, they didn't have near the problems that we've got. There's something therapeutic. You know, the scripture says, ponder the path of your feet. Proverbs chapter four, around verse 25. Ponder the path of your feet and let all of your ways be established. That means think about what you're doing. Did I do good today? Did I get anything accomplished today? Did I waste the day? Most of us don't ever sit down and think about stuff like this. We're so busy. We don't pull inventory. And because of it, you could be headed over a cliff and never even look up and see the signs coming. You need to be still. You need to ponder the path of your feet. You need to think about things. And if you don't, the word of God is going to be choked in your life. Again, I could go on and on and on about that. That whole book on hardness of heart is over this one point. The next type of ground in verse 20, these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30 fold, some 60 and some 100. And if you take this same passage that's recorded over in the book of Luke, you'll find out it says they bring forth fruit with patience. This fourth type of ground didn't have more than other types of ground. It had less. And like I said yesterday, if the key to having God's word work in my life is being less, I can be less. I may not can be more, but I can be less. Any person in here can do this. It's, you don't have to be a super saint. You don't have to be the sharpest knife in the drawer to have the word of God work in your life. But if you just commit yourself to it a hundred percent and don't get sidetracked and up into the grandstands arguing with the spectators and the people who criticize you. And if you focus on it and don't let the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things choke the word of God, then the word of God will produce in your life. And again, the word is incorruptible. It had a hundredfold potential in every person's life, but in all, some people brought forth 30, some 60, and some 100. And it's not because the word is different. It's because some people give themselves to it more than others. There are some that are more interested in winning all of the trivial pursuit games and knowing all of the trivia about our modern society and what this show was and what this uh, statistic for sports is than they are about the word of God. And I tell you what, if you win all the trivial pursuit games, you aren't going to win with the word of God. I can tell you really like that. You know what? I, I know virtually nothing about sports and yet I used to love sports, man. I could tell you what the next play was going to be. I used to be into all of that. And yet I just extracted myself from all of this. Because I put a priority on the word of God. There's nothing wrong with sports. I watch, you know, about, I never watched uh, football until maybe five or six years ago. And finally, I just decided I used to love football. And so I'm going to indulge myself and 
watch some football. And I wind up watching two or three games a year because I'm ministering on Sundays and I'm traveling. And so I've now lowered my standards, I guess. And I watch two or three games a year. Amen. There's nothing wrong with it. I don't feel like it's bad, but I tell you what, what I don't know about sports would fill volumes. (laughs) I just don't know very much about it. People will say something about some team and I'm not sure if that's baseball or football or basketball. All of these Duke fans down here really get into it. But you know what? I, I couldn't tell you anything about any of this stuff. And I'm not saying that that's sin, but I'm saying that most people, it's way out of balance in their life. They are just fanatical and they can remember the stats of who was the home run king and who did this and who won the Super Bowl. And they know all of this stuff, but I just can't remember. Where is this scripture? I don't know. I just can't remember scripture. They say, I just don't have a photographic memory like you. I can't quote these scriptures the way you do. Well, I can't quote stats the way you do. It just depends on where your heart is. There's nothing wrong with your brain. There's nothing, people, I can't remember this old King James stuff. You could too, if you put as much time into it as you do fantasy football and everything else. I'm not against any of these things in their place, but I'm saying when you're sitting there saying, I just can't seem to grab hold of the word of God. You could, if you put as much time into it as you put into watching your movies, as you put into playing your games and doing all of the stuff that you do. It's true. It's absolutely true. And if you're going to get a hundredfold return, you're going to have to devote yourself to this. It's going to have to become the most important thing in your life. And some of you think, well, I'd just miss out on life. It depends on what you define life as. Amen. I do miss out on a lot of stuff. It's been 43 years since I've been depressed. I've missed out on all depression. I'm not depressed. I'm not discouraged. I'm not sick. I'm not poor. I'm not angry. I don't have any bitterness in my heart. I've missed a lot of stuff. And you will miss a lot of stuff. And if you, if you really love that stuff, well then just have at it. Praise God. But it takes patience. You're going to have to stand on this and it takes a period of time before you see the word of God work. Anyway, there's much, much more that could be said, but I want to drop on down to verse 26 and look at another parable that he taught on this same day. There's actually 10 parables that Jesus taught in one day. Mark records about four of them right here, but if you go over to Matthew and Luke and put all of this together, I've got a Life for Today study Bible that puts the gospels in chronological order. You'll find out that there were 10 parables taught. The parable of the sower sowing the seed, the woman who lost a coin and went and swept her whole house till she found it. The parable of the man who brings forth things out of his treasures, new and old, and all of this. And here's another parable that he taught the same day in verse 26. So is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground. Remember verse 14, this seed is still talking about the word of God. This is how the kingdom works. It's like sowing seed. The word is a seed. You have to cast it into the ground, which is a heart. 
and should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. Boy, I love this passage of scripture. I love this. This is awesome. This just says, you don't understand how a seed works. You put a seed in the ground and out of this little tiny acorn comes this gigantic tree. That's amazing. This little tiny acorn has this huge tree in it. Actually, that tree is going to produce other acorns that have multiple trees. This one little acorn could have a million trees in it. How did God get all of that in that one tree? I mean, in that one seed. How does this work? Did you know you could pool the, the intellect of the entire human race? You could have every government on the face of the earth take their smartest, best people, fund it with all the money they've got, and you could pool the entire resources of the human race. They could produce something that looks like an acorn. It could have the same weight. It could even look the same. It could have the same chemicals in it. And yet if you plant a man-made seed in the ground, nothing's going to happen. It won't grow. It doesn't have life in it. Nobody understands how this works. We can't replicate it. We can't do it. We can cooperate with one, but it has to have all of the stuff that God had. We don't know how it works, but does that keep us from taking advantage of it? Does that keep us from planting corn and beans and other things. We don't know how it works. We've learned when to plant and where it grows best and what kind of soil, but we don't control any of that. And you just, you just plant it in there and nobody knows what's happening and yet it works. And you know what? There's a lot of people that think, well, I just don't understand how me meditating in the word of God could produce these results that you're talking about. I can't explain it to you. I don't know why it works. I'm just telling you that this is how it works. It's working in my life. I've seen it work in the lives of other people. And to me, this was so exciting when I read this because the Lord, one of the first things he told me to do is to quit school. I was going to university when the Lord touched my life. And the first thing he did was have me quit school. And everybody told me, you're a loser. You'll never amount to anything. At least you got to go to cemetery. I mean, seminary. And you got to (laughs) learn all of these things. And you can't prosper if you don't go to school. And man, I felt like a loser. And when I read this, it just said, you just put the word in your heart and you don't have to understand it. You don't have to know what's going on. You don't have to have it all figured out. The earth just brings forth fruit of itself. God just made it this way. You take a seed and put it in the ground and give it the right nutrients and the right uh, temperature and the right depth of soil. And it just takes care of everything else. You don't have to make the seed work. Everything that seed needs is in the seed. Just put it there and leave it there and it'll work. They've taken seeds that they found in the tombs, in the pyramids of the Egyptians that have been there for 4,000 years, dormant. And they take them and plant them in the ground and boom, they grow. 4,000 years later and these seeds, you plant them and just, it just works. Who knows how it works? It just works. That is absolutely amazing. And the word of God is like this. I don't understand it, but I have experienced it. And I am telling you that the word of God, if you would meditate in it day and night, and not harden your heart and not get in the grandstands arguing with the spectators and not let other things choke it, but devote yourself to it. If you plant it there and leave it there with patience, 
It just works. It's the word knows how to do it. God knows how to do it. You don't have to understand this. You do not have to be a rocket scientist to get the word to work. Just put it in your heart, meditate in it day and night and boom, the earth brings forth fruit of herself. God just designed it this way. It's a law of God. It's like striking a match and holding it up to gasoline. You don't have to figure out an equation and, and try and make that work. It just, it'll happen. An explosion will take place. Fire will happen. This is just a law that God created. I'm telling you that this word is like a seed that is designed. When you put it in a person's heart, mix it with faith, it just starts changing everything. It starts changing you. It'll bring health to your body. It'll bring prosperity to you. It'll give you wisdom. The scripture says, I have more wisdom than all of my teachers because your word is my meditation day and night. Psalms 119, I think it was verse 99, somewhere around there. You can be smarter than anybody else. The word of God will make you look good. The word of God will make you look awesome. The word of God is the answer. Man, there's power in the word of God. It's awesome. I tell you, the word of God's powerful. You just got to plant it in your heart. It doesn't work until you take it off of this page and put it in your heart. You've got to have it in your heart and it's got to be there for a while before it releases its strength in life. And then in the next verse, it says, um, and he should sleep and rise. That was still verse 27. He should sleep and rise night and day. This implies that it takes time. You sleep and then you rise and then you sleep and then you rise. In other words, you can't plant the seed and get up the next morning and dig it up and see if anything's working. You got to plant it and you got to leave it there. It takes time for a seed to germinate. And this is where so many people miss it. So many people come to a meeting like this and get excited and say, man, I'm going to believe God. And so for one week, you do it. And at the end of the week, you pull inventory. And if you're still in debt, if you're still sick, if you still have any problems, you say, well, that didn't work. And you dig it up. It takes time for this to work. I actually was told about a bamboo plant that in the first four years, it produces one leaf about that big. And for four years, that's all it does is produce one leaf. But you know what it's doing? It's putting roots down. And then in the fourth year, the thing grows 18 feet in one year. Just boom. And people look at that and think, man, 18 feet in one year, that's what I want. But they forget that it's really not one year. It was five years. The first four years were putting down roots. And people think, wow, that didn't count. No, it does count. That's like a woman. You know, you have a baby and they think, oh, isn't that, you just had a baby just today. Well, you actually had that baby for nine months before today. Amen. There's a lot that you go through before you give birth to that baby and it counts. All of that's a part of the process. And for you to sit, you know, there's people in our Bible school that see the way that God is blessing us. And we're just, it's like everything I'm setting my hand unto is blessed and it's prosperous. And people see that and they think, well, man, That's what I want. And they just want 
to get the results that we're seeing right now, but they don't understand. I've been at this for 43 years, seeking God, meditating in the word day and night and seeking God with all of my heart. I had a Bible college student come up one time and they were just really touched by the message that I gave. And they said, how long did you prepare for that message? And I said, 40 years. (laughs) They said, no, I want to know how long you prepared that message. I said, 40 years. What I'm sharing with you today is 43 years worth of walking with God. That's the reason I don't have to have notes. I don't have marks in my Bible. I hadn't got this figured out. It's in my heart. You live it. And uh, you know what? It becomes a part of you. And so anyway, it takes time. You have to sleep and rise night and day and the word just brings forth fruit of itself. And then look at this in the next verse, verse 28. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear. After that, the full corn in the ear. This is a great truth right here. It's another principle of the kingdom and how the word of God works. The word of God, you plant it, it produces uh, a blade and then the ear and then the full corn in the ear. In other words, first there's just a little sprig and then there's the stalk and then the corn grows after that. In other words, there's steps and stages. You do not go from never having walked in the word of God and seen it work to seeing full manifestation. There is a growth process. You can't go from zero to a thousand miles an hour instantly. That's not acceleration. That's a wreck. You have to start and accelerate and build up steam and build up momentum. And yet so many people, they just don't understand this. And so they say, I'm testifying about how the word works in my life. And so you're going to make a decision. Some of you prayed with me last night and you expect by tomorrow to be at the same place that I'm at after 43 years of seeking the Lord. And it doesn't work that way. You are first of all going to have to see just a little bit of improvement. You're going to have to see the word start working. Somebody says, well, I don't like that. I don't want it that way. Tough. It's the way it is. Amen. This is the way that God created it. There's first the blade, then the ear, and then the full corn in the ear. It takes a period of time for the seed to start releasing its life in your life. I don't understand all of the reasons, but you know what? I'm not the one that created these laws. I'm just telling you, this is what the word says. I had a man in our Bible school that had been in mental institutions his whole life. And he came to Bible school. And this is the first time he had ever been out in public was in our Bible school. He was 40 something years old. And you know what? I liked this guy. I really did like him. He was just pure. He didn't have any guile in him. He didn't have any social skills. I took him under my wing and I was going to teach this guy just how to be a normal human being. And to get along with people because, you know, we, this is when our Bible school was 60, 70 people and he'd sit on the front row and turn around and look at everybody during the class and pick his nose in front of everybody. He didn't mean anything by, he just didn't know how you were supposed to act. And I was going to take this guy and just start teaching him. And anyway, I started sharing the word and this guy just started growing and developing. He was hungry as a sponge. And he started growing. And anyway, there was this place in Manitou Springs, not far from where our school was, that was called the Clift House. It was built in the 1800s, a stone structure. It had over a hundred hotel rooms in it. It used to be the classiest place in Manitou Springs in the 1800s. 
and, but it had burned and it was, it had been derelict just sitting there for years. And the thing was, uh, just really in bad shape. Well, this guy went over and figured out, found out how much it cost to buy that place. It was like $1.2 million to buy this place. He figured out how much it would take to renovate it and counting everything. It would be up to about 5 million total. And he figured out what the payments on $5 million was, how many rooms it had. He was going to rent them out to Bible college students, make it a dorm. And he had done a lot of work and figured out that he would have enough money coming in to pay the $5 million note and get all of this done. And he had a whole thing listed out and it was awesome. It was really detailed. He had put days of work into this and came to me and showed it to me. And he says, this is what God has told me to do. And I said, no way. I said, this is not God. And he said, well, you've been teaching me to believe big and to take the limits off God and to do all this. And I said, Jerry, you have never worked a job in your entire life. You've lived off welfare. You've never made a dime and you're going to come up with a loan for $5 million and you're going to oversee this construction and do this. I said, this is not God. I said, it may be God that you're dreaming big and you got a great big dream, but no, this isn't God. You first of all have to have a blade and then the ear and then the full corn in the ear. You can't do something like that if you have never done anything on a lesser scale. And he got very offended at me, but eventually I convinced him of it. And I said, go get a job first. You start making some money and get to where you can live on your own without your parents supporting you, without government support. And then you start taking the next step and you do this and this and this. And then you come tell me this and praise God, I'll agree with you and believe. But I said, I can just guarantee you this isn't God. Likewise, I've had people come who want to go pastor a thousand member church and they got it all figured out how to do it. And they've never taught a Bible study. They've never run a Sunday school class. They've never done anything. That's not how it works. You aren't going to go run and be the CEO of one of the multi-billion dollar companies if you've never been the janitor, if you've never held a job, if you've not learned how to work and to do things. This same principle just works all the way through life and it works in the Christian life. You aren't going to see cancer overcome unless you get into a desperate situation and just have to draw on the power of God or go to somebody who's strong and get them to help you. But you aren't going to overcome cancer if you've never overcome a headache, if you've never overcome a cold, if you've never done anything. You need to start trusting God and see some people are saving up. They don't want to use the word for anything except what the doctors can't do. Well, when are you going to start exercising your muscles? You want to press a hundred pounds and yet you've never listed five pounds. When are you going to start believing God? Well, I'm not going to waste my faith on a headache. You need to start with a headache. You need to start with a little pain in your toe. You need to start believing God. You need to trust God for maybe a little bit of extra grocery money. Maybe you ought to partner with somebody and say, I'm going to become a partner for $10 a month. I don't know where I'm going to get it, but I'm going to start trusting God for $10. And then you increase and you grow up. I've had people give me million dollar checks before who didn't even have a job. (laughs) And I kept it in my petty cash box for, I don't know, 10 years before I finally threw the thing away. One of those faith checks. (laughs) 
And there's people who are, I'm going to give you a million dollars. Well, are you being faithful with what you got? Are you giving a tithe? Are you giving $10 a month? Are you doing $30? Oh no, I'm not. I can't do that. I can't trust that, but I'm going to give you a million dollars. Never happened. Never happened. You need to get this in your heart that it comes first the blade, then the ear, and then the full corn in the ear. You couldn't, you couldn't manage it. You know, right now, like I've mentioned, our income's $2 million a month. I couldn't have managed this 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I wouldn't have had the wisdom, the ability. I didn't have the personnel. God has given me people that are helping me and doing things that I couldn't have done back then. I wasn't available. I couldn't have done it. You have to, first of all, grow. You have to grow into things. You can't start at, you can't start at the top. You can't jump to the top of a ladder. You got to start on the bottom rung of the ladder and work yourself up. And I tell you, there's just so many people that they just, well, this is God. It's faith. So it's supernatural. And you just expect to bypass all of these steps. Doesn't work that way. You need to start. You need to start where you are and start taking the word and say, Father, what am I able to believe you for? I've actually told people with healings before. I said, look, God can heal everything all at once. Problem in with God. Where are you in your faith? And if you're just believing for something that you can't wrap your heart around, well, then let's start with just something small. If you've got 50 problems, which one can you believe for? Which one do you have faith that you could get over right now? And I'll help people just to believe for that one thing. Let's get the pain out of your foot first. And you get that and man, that builds your faith and says, man, it works. And so because of that, you, you go to the next step. This is a great truth. This is an awesome truth that so many people miss because again, they think it's God and it's just supernatural and it doesn't have to follow any natural laws. God is the one that created these natural laws. The same things that we see reflected in nature, you see reflected in the word of God and in spiritual things. You are going to grow little by little, line upon line and precept upon precept. And it's going to take some time and there's going to be a growth process in this. And that puts some people off. And they say, well, I'm not waiting. What's your options? I'm telling you, this is how the kingdom works. If you don't like it, you can try and don't go do something else and you'll wind up failing and you'll be back right where you are right now, 10 years from now, after you've done it yourself in your own way, and you'll be 10 years behind in the process. You can't get there any quicker than just starting right now. And you just start and it takes time. First a blade, then the ear, and then the full corn in the ear, and it'll work. And if you'll stick with it, you'll see the power of God come through. And I've got to hurry up. So anyway, there's some more great things to say. I've already mentioned The next uh, in verses 30 through 32, I talked about that last night. That's when I was laying on that bunk in Vietnam and God gave me the revelation of this passage. I talked about that last night. Let's go down to verse 35. And this is really powerful. In verse 35, it says, and the same day, the same day is what? This was the same day that he taught all of these parables, the parable of the sower sowing the seed, the parable of you just cast seed in the ground and sleep and rise night and day, the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the tares among the wheat, the parable of the woman who lost a coin and swept her house, 10 parables that he taught. 
The most teaching we have record of in one day in the ministry of Jesus. On that same day, uh, when when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace. Be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Boy, that is a powerful passage of scripture. But I want to point out some things. It says in the same day, the same day that he had been teaching about the word is like a seed. Everything in God's kingdom operates off of a word. We now have the revelation in John chapter one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Verse 14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was the word of God. He was the seed that was planted. And the same day that he had been speaking about how powerful the seed is and how you have to take the seed and plant it, he gave them a seed. He said, let's pass over unto the other side. This is the same one that said, let there be light. And there was light. This is the same one that created that seed. The word said, let's pass over unto the other side. He gave him a seed. He gave him a promise. He didn't say, let's go halfway and drown. He said, let's pass over to the other side. And then he got in the ship and he went to sleep. And as they got into the boat and started, a great storm came down and they were bailing and they were rowing and they were doing everything that they knew to save their life. And they actually got put out with Jesus And they came and they woke him up and said, Master, don't you care that we perish? And you know what? Lest we get too hard on these disciples, let me just say that this same thing happens. Probably every person in here has done the same thing. You have a pain. You have a problem. You have a financial problem. You have a marriage that's going south. You have children that aren't doing something that they should. Something in your life isn't the way that it should. God, don't you care? God, why haven't you healed me? God, why don't you do something? They came as if Jesus wasn't pulling his own weight. They told him to wake up, bail, row, do something. We're fighting for our life and you're doing nothing. And there's times that you feel the same way. But did you know what? Jesus' part wasn't to bail or to row. His part was to give them the word He said, let's go over to the other side. They had a word that if they would have kept that word in their heart and have acted on it, they could have stilled the storm. They could have commanded the ship to be on the other side. They could have dealt. The word of God has the power in it. 
You find in the 14th chapter of the book of Matthew that Jesus came walking unto them on the sea. This was a different instance. And Peter saw him and said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come on the water. And he said, come. And one word allowed Peter to walk on top of water. One word. Jesus gave him a bunch of words right here. Eight words. If one word can get you to walk on the sea, eight ought to be enough to be able to overcome this storm. And yet they weren't acting on the word. They were totally in the natural. They were trying to solve their problem in the natural instead of taking this word and saying, we're getting to this other side because he told us to pass over to the other side. He did not say we're going halfway and drowned him. They didn't stand on the word and instead came and acted like you aren't doing something, do something. So Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace be still. Well, this is a side note. It's not the main point I'm making, but this is good. If you could meditate on this, you've got to rebuke the devil and then speak to the things that the devil called caused to be calm. If he would have just rebuked the wind, it could have taken an hour or two hours for that sea to calm down because it was just a normal thing. It takes a while for the water to calm down, but he rebuked the devil that caused it, the wind that caused it. And then he commanded the sea to be still. When you pray for cancer, rebuke the devil, command cancer to get out of your body and say, now body recover from what that cancer did. Body, you recover, appetites come back. I command this pain to be gone. And you have to not only rebuke the devil and get rid of the devil, but then speak to the part of your body that was affected. You have to say, Satan, I command you to get off my finances, but now bless your finances and speak to them and command them to prosper. Lots of times people don't understand this. And because of it, they deal with the effects of what the devil had been doing far too long. You can shorten that period of time in between when you stop the devil and when you see the physical manifestation of those things gone. That is a great truth. And so when he did it, the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Most of us would say, duh, why am I so fearful? We're drowning. The boat's full. It looks like we're not going to make it. And you say, and most of us again would say, What's wrong with you? You're insensitive. You don't understand how people feel. You don't appreciate their hurts. The Lord didn't get down on our level and just cry with us. He didn't get down and say, guys, I'm sorry. You're only human. I mean, I shouldn't have expected you to believe to go to the other side. And I should have been more compassionate. I should be more understanding. It really is tough. If I wasn't God, I'd have been discouraged too. (laughs) And Jesus rebuked him and says, why are you fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And the Lord wants us to live like somebody besides mere mortals. We aren't only human. One third of me is wall to wall, Holy Ghost. I should expect to see different things. I am not just human. I am born again. There's a part of me that is supernatural. And if I choose to walk in it, I can walk in the supernatural. Jesus wasn't pleased with their inability to deal with this. And you know, here's the lesson that you need to learn. God gives you the word. And in the word is a seed for whatever you need. Do you need healing in your body? Here's all of these seeds. 
Plant them in your life and stick to it. Defend it. Give it time and it'll become health to all of your flesh. But instead we're saying, oh God, why don't you heal me? We're waking him up. Don't you care? How come I'm sick? And he says, I gave you all of these seeds that here's healing seeds. Here's prosperity seeds. Here's joy seeds. Here's anointing seeds. Here's wisdom seeds. Here's all of these things. Why don't you plant them? I don't want to plant them. You just wake up and fix it for me. Lord, solve this problem. Well, what have you done with the seeds? Have you taken the word of God? Are you meditating in it day and night? No, because my favorite show is on. I hadn't got time to do what you said. I just want you to heal me. I just want you to get me set free. I got, I got games to play. I got things to do. I can't be bothered with the word of God. You just fix it for me. And then if you pray and don't see things come through, we get upset with God like, well, I thought you were a good God. I thought that you came through. What happened? Don't preach me down because I'm, shout me down because I'm preaching good. I'm telling you, this is what's going on. It's not the Lord's place to heal you. By his stripes, you were healed. He's revealed it in the word. This word is health unto all of your flesh. And if you would take the word of God and meditate in it day and night, it would be health to your flesh and life to those that find it and you'd be healed. But instead, we aren't taking what the word says. And we're just sitting here wondering why nothing's happening. It's not God. It's not up to God to prosper you. He's already prospered you. He's already done it. You've already got it. All you got to do is take these seeds and meditate in it and nurture it. Man, this boils a Christian life down to so simple. You got to help have somebody to help you to misunderstand it. God has done everything. He has seen every problem you could ever have in your life. He has anticipated it and he's already made the supply before you had the need. He already gave you the seed before you ever had the need. And all we got to do is take it and meditate in it. And we can calm the storm. We can stand there and say, Father, you've given me this power and authority and I command these situations to change. I command this door to open up. I command the Red Sea to part. I got a great teaching entitled God's Man, Plan, and Timing. It's this same principle where Moses told the people, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And then he fell on his face and said, oh God, where are you? And God said, get up off your face. Why are you crying unto me? Most people would think, why am I crying unto you? I got the Egyptian army coming down. The Red Sea's over here, two mountains. We're in a box canyon. And you're asking why I'm crying unto you? The Lord said, why are you crying unto me? Take the rod that's in your hand. He had had an experience where he threw his rod down and it became a serpent and he picked it up by the tail. That meant that I don't have control anymore. God, I'm yielded to you. And when he did, it says in Exodus 4.20, it became the rod of God. It wasn't Moses' rod anymore. It was God's rod. And God said, take the rod and hold it out over the waters. Moses was saying, God, we need a miracle. Oh God, do something. God said, take the rod and use what I gave you. 
command the seas to open up. Moses had said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord said, command the people to move forward. Moses was wrong. You didn't need to stand still. You needed to move forward. Take the authority that God gave you and use it. And when he used it, the Red Sea opened up. And if he hadn't taken his rod and using it, they'd have been destroyed by the Egyptians. You have been given power and authority. We've been given this word. We need to take it. We need to sow it. We need to start speaking it. And you need to command the power of God to manifest itself in your life. Boy, these are powerful, powerful, powerful truths that I'm sharing. And this is how the kingdom works. And I just encourage you. It's God's power. I'm not saying you are the source. It's God's power, but it's in you. I'll often have people come up and quote, now, wait a minute. In John chapter 15, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. I think that's John 15, five. And it is true. Without Jesus, I can do nothing. Without Jesus, I'm a zero with the rim knocked off. I'm nothing. I agree, but I am not without Jesus. He said he would never leave me nor forsake me. So I'm not talking about that this is my own natural human self that can do it, but I am God possessed. God lives on the inside of me. And for me to have this, this religious attitude that, oh God, we are nothing. We can do nothing. We have nothing. We're just looking unto you. We are nothing without you. That's a religious attitude. I was an old sinner but I got saved by grace. And now I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And he has given me his word. This word is the same word that when he comes back, there's going to be a sharp two-edged sword that comes out of his mouth. And people think that there's going to be this physical sword come out. I don't think that's what it is. The Bible says it is sharper than a two-edged sword. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. The word of God is quick, alive, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. The word is what's going to come out of his mouth. You know what's going to happen when the Lord comes back and fights the battle of Armageddon? He's going to speak the same word that we have recorded here in the Bible. And it is going to destroy people to the point that the blood will flow up to the horse's bridles. That means three and four feet high for 120 miles long. And it's going to take seven years to bury the dead because of the words that come out of his mouth. The same words that we have recorded right here. The only difference is when he says it, he believes it. We've got something greater than an atomic weapon right here. This word has enough power in it to heal cancer, to heal AIDS, to heal ALS to heal your heart, to heal your mind, to heal your emotions. This word is powerful enough to do anything you needed to do, but you got to believe it and you got to put it in your heart and let it nurture and grow for a while. It's just not going to work with the lifestyle that most Christians have. You're going to have to change if you want to get these results, but you have the most powerful force, the force that created the heavens and the earth is right here. It says in Hebrews eleven three by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. These words are what created the universe. And we have this awesome power. 
but it has to be mixed with faith. Hebrews 4, 2, the word preached unto them did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. You have to get it through your understanding. You have to put it in your heart. You have to keep from being offended. You have to not let other things choke it. You need to bring forth fruit with patience. You need to recognize there's a process, a growth process and give it time. But you devote yourself to this, get this in so that you don't have to say, well, I know that the Bible says somewhere, someplace. I think it's, I don't know if it's the Old Testament or the New Testament. You know what? If that's your approach, you're going to (laughs) die. But if you get to where you know the word of God, man, the sky is the limit. You can do anything that Moses did, anything that Joshua did. Joshua commanded the sun to stand still and it stood still for nearly a day. And our modern mind says that couldn't happen. The earth would have had to quit rotating. The seas would have overwhelmed. We'd have had tidal waves, tsunamis. That couldn't have happened. It did happen. I don't know how it happened, but God came by it honest, amen. I don't know how he did it, but I tell you what, the sun stood still for nearly 24 hours. Some of you, I just can't believe that. Well, you'd never believe this next one then, that there were three guys who refused to bow and they threw them into this furnace, amen, that was seven times hotter than normal. And instead of them getting burnt, all of their bands came off. The only thing that were burnt off were their uh, things they tied them up with and they were, didn't even have the smell of smoke. And there was a fourth person walking in the fire with them like the son of man. Amen. Somebody, I don't believe that one either. Well, you'd never believe this one about a man that was crucified and rose again on the third day and is still alive 2,000 years later. Praise God. Man, if you don't believe in miracles, you might as well go get another book. This book's full of them. And I'm telling you that if you were to take the word of God and go to believing in it, you would become a miracle person. You ought to live supernatural. And yet we are so controlled by our society and so carnal and so dull because we don't spend much time here. Most people spend more time in the light of their TV than they do in the light of God's word. You're going to have to reverse that if you're going to see the word of God work. That's simple. It's tight, but it's right. And it'll set you free. Amen. Amen. Father, we just thank you for the word of God. Thank you for giving us this exceeding great and precious book that you've given us. And Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would take these words, make it real to people, that we would commit to it, and that the word of God would begin to release this supernatural power of God in our lives. Father, we desire it. And thank you that you desire it more than we do. So we believe that you are bringing this to pass in our life. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me ask if there's anybody here again that needs to be born again. Or if you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't even know, but we've seen 150 or so people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe a dozen that were born again. But if you're here this morning... And if you don't know for sure about your relationship with God, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The things that I've said this morning, have the faith in it 
that you could use to be born again. You could pass from death unto life. You could get all of your sins forgiven. You could be in right standing with God just based off of the things that I've said this morning. That's awesome. I think it would be irresponsible of me not to give you an opportunity to get born again. So if you would like to be born again, we want to pray with you and help you to receive. Also, if you have been born again, but if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is like the fertilizer that makes everything grow and work. Man, you need this power of the Holy Spirit. It, what, it's, it's just essential. You need it. And part of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not the whole thing, but part of it is that you get the ability to speak in tongues. Speaking in tongues is super powerful. It is really, really powerful. And I hadn't got time to spend on uh, a long invitation, but if you don't have either salvation and or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you don't speak in tongues, we would love to help you receive here today. Is there anybody, if that's you, I'd like you to raise your hand so that I can see it and I'll pray with you and we'll help you to receive. Here's a lot of people over here. Anybody else? Praise God. Here's others. Anybody else? Praise God. Anyone else over here? I preached a lot better to this side than I did this side. (laughs) You know, if you don't have the baptism, let me say it this way. If you don't speak in tongues, you should have your hand in the air. Somebody said, well, I don't speak in tongues, but I believe I've got it. Well, you might have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I actually had it for three years before I spoke in tongues. But I tell you what, when I started speaking in tongues, it's like I got it all over again. It is a powerful gift. You need it. It is a part of what God has. Some people say it's the least gift. Well, man, you got to start with the blade and then the ear and then the full. You got to start someplace. Why don't you start with the least? If you can't bypass it, why don't you get it? If you raised your hand or if you were supposed to raise your hand, would you just get up out of your seat and come forward and let us agree with you and pray with you and help you to receive here this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Awesome. Oh, this is great. I believe it's going to change your life. I know some of you are just worn out trying to do it all on your own. You know what? It's going to make a huge difference when the power of the Holy Spirit comes into your life. There was an instance in the Bible where the disciples fished all night long and caught nothing. And the next morning, Jesus went out and said, cast your net on the other side. They've been fishing all night long. What difference is it going to make just throwing the net on the other side of the boat? And they said, nevertheless, it's your word. We'll do it. And they cast the net on the other side of the boat and every fish in the Sea of Galilee tried to get in that net. It broke the net. They, it, the boat began to sink just because they did it at his command. And some of you are going to experience this. Some of you have tried. You may have given it a really good effort. But you know what? You just can't do it on your own. When you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, this is going to make such a difference in your life. You're going to be stronger than horseradish. Amen. You're going to see awesome things happen. Before you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you first of all need to make sure that you've made Jesus your personal Savior. Jesus is the one 
who baptizes people with the Holy Spirit. So you have to receive the baptizer before you receive the baptism. Is there anybody here who's not sure of whether or not you've been born again? If you aren't sure, if you need to pray and first of all, make Jesus your Lord, raise your hand and let me pray with you. Anybody? Is everybody here sure you're born again? I'm not talking about just hoping and thinking so. The Bible says that you have a witness in yourself and you know that you've passed from death unto life. Is everybody here certain that you are born again? If you were to die right now, you'd go to be with the Lord. Everybody sure? Praise God. That's awesome. That's wonderful. All right, then, according to the word of God, you are already the temple of the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians three sixteen and first Corinthians six nineteen say you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so God created you as a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. So you don't have to wonder, will he give you the Holy Spirit? This is what you were created for. He made you for this. He wants it. It's God's purpose, but he won't force himself in. You have to ask. And so that's what you're doing. You're coming forward. And all we're going to do is just open up our heart, the doors to this temple and say, Holy Spirit, come into my life. That's all you got to do is just give him the opportunity. He's going to come flooding in. Some people will teach that if you have something wrong in your life, God won't fill you if you're a dirty vessel. I want you to know God hadn't got any other kind of vessel to fill. Amen. We're all in varying stages of being dirty. None of us are what we're supposed to be. If you got a problem, you are a prime candidate for the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill you with his power so that you can start overcoming. So don't let any teaching or any sense of unworthiness keep you from receiving the Holy Spirit. God's not going to hold the Holy Spirit back from a single person. So I'm just going to lead you in a simple prayer. We aren't going to beg. We aren't going to plead. We're just going to give him freedom to come into your life and fill you and start giving you this supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. And then I want to ask our prayer ministers to come up here and these people are going to stand behind you and lay hands on you because the Bible says that through the laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit was given. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. We're going to pray. Then they will lay hands on you and release this power of the Holy Spirit to come into your life. And after they lay hands on you, I want you to quit asking. Sometimes people just ask over and over and beg. And you know, there's a time to ask, but then there's a time to believe that God gave you what you asked for. It says in Luke eleven thirteen, if you being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He promised that he'd do it. And so we're going to ask, and then I want you to quit asking and just go to thanking God that he gave you the Holy Spirit. Whether you feel anything or not, just take a step of faith and thank and believe that his word is true. And then all of us who have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, we're going to start praying in tongues because the Bible says when you pray in tongues, you're giving thanks well unto God. You're praising God. So we're going to start thanking God that he gave you the Holy Spirit and we're going to praise him in tongues. And as we start speaking in tongues, I want you to start speaking in tongues with us. And I know you may think, well, I don't know. Well, how do you do it? What do you do? I've got a book that will explain everything in detail, but if you're ready, you could speak in tongues right now. 
The number one problem that I've experienced and I've seen other people have, they think that the Holy Spirit's going to force you to speak in tongues. It doesn't happen like that. You have to speak. It says in Acts 2, 4, they spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance or the inspiration. It's like when I preach today, I believe that God spoke through me, but he didn't force me to say it. I said the words. It came out in my personality, my sense of humor. I spoke, but God inspired it. Speaking in tongues is the same thing. You have to start making sounds. And at first it sounds totally silly, but you're just trusting that the Holy Spirit's inspiring this. And after you do it and get over the newness of it, you'll find out that it is inspired. You can speak in multiple languages. You can put your mind on something completely different and it'll just flow out of you, but you can start it and you can stop it. You have to speak. So that's what we're going to do. And if you're ready, you can speak in tongues with us right now. Isn't that awesome? The Bible says believers will speak with new tongues. I want you to say, I'm a believer. And I will speak in tongues. Father, I thank you for all of these. Thank you, Father, that they are all born again. They are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, we thank you. And right now, we just open up the doors of this temple. We open up our heart. And, Holy Spirit, we want you to come live on the inside of us. We want your power. We're tired of doing it in ourselves. We want your supernatural power. So we open up our heart. We welcome you to come into our life right now. Come Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. We lay hands on you and we release the power of the Holy Ghost. We say receive the Holy Spirit right now. We loose this power and anointing to come into your life. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for being true to your word and coming and filling every one of these with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to lift your hands. The Bible says when you lift up your hands, you bless the Lord. Put your hands up in the air and just begin to bless the Lord. Thank him that he gave you the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that your word is true. Talk out loud. Don't just think it. Say out loud, thank you, Heavenly Father, that I am filled with the Holy Spirit, that your word is true, that I am now possessed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, those of you who know how to pray in tongues, let's pray in tongues. And as we start speaking in tongues, you just join in with us. Switch over to speaking in tongues. If you don't know what to say, you can try and say what you hear the person behind you saying. But your tongue will be different than theirs. It won't be the same. You can't say the same thing. But you've got to start speaking. And once you start speaking and it comes out differently, don't quit. Just keep talking. Don't listen to yourself. You aren't talking to yourself. You're talking to God. You're praising God. And don't worry about what it sounds like. A little baby, when they first talk, it doesn't really sound like they're talking in a language, but the parent knows what that baby's trying to say. Your heavenly father is hearing your heart. You're bypassing your brain. You're praying right out of your spirit. Man, you're praying without the hindrance of your mind, your unbelief. Do 
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for flowing through all of these. Thank you for filling every one of us with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let me have your attention here for just a minute. You know what? I believe that God gave every one of you the baptism of the Holy Spirit, whether you spoke in tongues or not. I believe he gave it to you because he promised that he would. It took me three years to pray in tongues, but that's because I'd been a Baptist and I'd been told that it was of the devil so many times I was afraid. I didn't understand, but I've got my questions answered. I wrote them all in a book and we've had lots of people that came forward and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues right here. But then we've had others that didn't speak in tongues until they got their questions answered. They read the book and they did it privately, but uh, many, many thousands of people have spoken in tongues through this. And I believe the same thing is going to happen for you. And uh, I can promise you that nobody up here fully understands what's happened. You may not feel any different. Sometimes people have a great emotional experience, but when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I didn't feel any different. But you know what? I just believed and it changed my life. And I can promise you that this is more important than what any of you fully understand. So it's really imperative that you get the understanding of what's happened and learn how to cooperate because this is the second most important thing that's ever happened. The first is getting born again, but then receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is going to transform your life. This is a powerful experience. So I want to give you this book and there will be people that will answer any questions that you have. And if you would, I'd really like to ask you to take just a few minutes because we want every one of you to have the maximum impact from this experience, okay? So this is Ashley over here, the young man with his hand up. And if you will follow him, he'll give you a book. There'll be people to pray with you, answer your questions, and they're there to be a blessing to you. Let's praise God for all of these, amen? Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Praise God. I believe you guys are going to never be the same. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? Let me remind you again that we have this meeting about the Bible college in uh, some room. I forget what room it was. Chamber. Chamber room. I think it's down here on the right. And they'll be starting here in just a few minutes. If you've ever had a thought about Bible college, you ought to go check this out. Again, these are our prayer ministers and they are here to help minister to you. We've been seeing some great miracles happen, people's lives being changed. And if you need prayer, come and let one of our prayer ministers pray with you. I'd like to ask you to come right now um, and we're going to pray for you by using them. We can pray for every person in here if you would like prayer. So if you need prayer, just come forward right now. The rest of you, remember that we've got the four sessions we've had so far already duplicated, CDs or DVDs, and you can pick those up out there. We've got all of the other materials. And tonight we're going to start at six o'clock instead of seven o'clock. So come back at six this evening 
And man, I got some powerful stuff to share. It'll be awesome. I can hardly wait to hear myself preach. You will be blessed by it. So if you need prayer, come forward right now and let us agree with you. The rest of you, thanks for coming. You're dismissed if you need to be. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just agree with these. Thank you, Father, that by the stripes of Jesus, we have been healed. Every one of these have already been healed. So, Father, we just stand here to receive our healing. We receive what Jesus has already provided. That this raising from the dead power has already been placed on the inside of us. Father, we believe that we have this power already. Raising from the dead. And Father, we use it. We release this power and this anointing right now to flow through us into every one of these people. Father, we thank you for miracles taking place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 